It's real simple. You got two more quarters and that's it. Now most of you have been playing this game for 10 years. And you got two more quarters and after that most of you will never play this game again as long as you live. Now you all have known me for a while and for a long time now you've been hearing me talk about being perfect. Well I want you to understand something. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. It's not about winning. It's about you and your relationship to yourself and your family and your friends. Being perfect is about being able to look your friends in the eye and know that you didn't let them down because you told them the truth. And that truth is, is that you did everything that you could. There wasn't one more thing that you could have done. Can you live in that moment as best you can with clear eyes and love in your heart? Ah, uh, yes. I haven't heard that familiar music quite some time. Goodness. Puts me in a good place. Puts me in a good place, gentlemen. Welcome to episode 162 of Tell Me Where to Turn. I'm your host for this evening. Tommy2 underscore zero is where you can find me on Twitter. You can find me at Glenn3 underscore 11. And this is, uh, this is an episode we've been waiting to do for a while. Uh, a lot of lead-in to this one. I think the original plans were like mid-December to do this review, so we're right on time as always. Well, we're like 11 months ahead, so we're doing great. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at PointBreak underscore Dave. Yeah, so we've been talking about doing this for months now, and I finished the movie today. <laughs> I watched it in December, and I couldn't quite... Watched the whole thing again today. I got through about two-thirds of it. It was all the time I had. Yeah. Miss Tommy and I sat down last night, and uh, I talked her into it, which has been difficult recently, but succeeded last night, and we watched it together, and man. Oh, we're still talking about the movie. Okay. Oh, yeah. She was reticent <laughs> at the beginning, but totally on board. Yeah, I think the other, it's just Tommy the, is the one that's watching <laughs> <laughs> yeah package <laughs> so one of the reasons that we're we we went through such great lengths to make sure we would watch the movie this week is because we needed to record an episode to keep our ongoing bit of picking the playoff games with exceptional payoff so a little level set from where we were last week there are two people that are tied for first and there is one person squarely in last place or there may be a society that's in last place <laughs> might be another way of phrasing that yes one half of the swole society trails three to three to two i would say things went wrong it, for insurmountable for <laughs> at this point i don't think this can be overcome things went wrong for you by not believing in Cleveland, Baker, Jake, well, actually not Jake, Baker, Progressive, Stefanski, COVID, 
Browns easily covering the 10 points. Yeah, because Mahomes got choked out on the field. That was the only thing I missed. What happened in that play, by the way? Because I watched it and I was like, how did he end up woozy on that? I, I don't know. But I, I don't. Apparently he sustained a concussion, but I didn't see any big shot to the head, at least not on that and, play. Yeah, doesn't your head have to hit something to get a concussion? Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Not a doctor either. I'm not an infectious disease expert, as I've documented in other podcasts. Then, uh, unfortunately, my dream of going 4-0 was dashed. I don't know why I had even written on my notes that I was going to pick Tampa Bay, and then I switched on the fly to New Orleans. I should have stuck with my gut. You never go against the GOAT. You hate to see it. Being the only person out of the three that got that one right. It feels well, good. I will say this, and this is my defense of uh, picking New Orleans. I haven't watched a lot of their games, and I was unaware that Breeze couldn't throw the ball more than three yards. I I missed that. I know I haven't been playing them in DraftKings, but I wasn't quite sure why my lineup builder never put them in there, and I think I know now. Yes. Uh, just to fast forward ahead, he was looking to hand it off to Booby exclusively, and when <laughs> Booby wasn't there and he had to throw it, it did not go as well. We've got two games this week. We have the AFC Championship and we have the NFC Championship. We will start with the NFC because I believe that is the first game to kick off or tip off, depending. I'm going to go with kick. Yeah, I bet they're going to kick it. There is a prop bet there. It's pretty stacked on one side that the game will begin with a kickoff. I would advise taking it. The line opened at Tampa Bay plus three and a half, and it remains Tampa Bay plus three and a half. An interesting number. The game is at Lambeau. We're going to start with Point Break Dave since he's in last place. We're going to give him the honor to pick first. It's a little tricky. I'm picking. I'm picking a the Rodgers rate, but I have substantial money on this, but I also bought it down to uh, minus three. So there is potential that I could push my bet but lose this due to the three and a half point spread uh, we're using here. But I will take Green Bay minus three and a half. Glenn. I will also take the Packers of Green Bay minus the three and a half. And last week I was very vocal in the you know the Bills Ravens game was only like a two point spread, and I said if the Bills if it was Bills minus nine, I would take the Bills. This is this is this week's same thing. I'm taking Green Bay minus three and a half, but if you told me it was eight, I'd still take Green Bay. I like Green Bay big in this one. All right, so it's kind of like Glenn's version of a double play. <laughs> Except for mine, I actually hit. <laughs> the AFC game is interesting. So the line immediately... Well, to well, hold, are Tommy, gonna are you going to pick, or is that how you oh, win this thing? I'm sorry. I, I already wrote it down. No, I'm I'm with you guys. I, I, uh, I don't know if I'd go to eight, but I'd go all the way up to six and a half with extreme confidence. I'll take Green Bay. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll even go first on this one. So the line for KC Buffalo opened at two and a half in favor of KC. 
I still feel like there's potential if there's a definitive Mahomes news one way or the other that the line could pretty radically move. I immediately bet KC at two and a half because I was betting that the news was going to be positive. I feel like um, Mahomes has a grandfather that will just take him to a clinic that doesn't even have an MRI <laughs> and pronounce him fine to go. It was his uncle, And he will go sir. out there no matter... What's that? It was his uncle. Oh, that was his uncle? Yes. Oh, well, Mahomes has an uncle. I'll start over. Um, so, yeah, the line's now moved to three. I'm going to take a Kansas City minus the three, and my assumption is if, if we had Mahomes at a clean bill of health, it would be closer to a touchdown, and I think he's going to play. There's no way he misses this game. Give me Kansas City minus three. I want the Bills plus the points. I also want the Bills. Well. Well, very well, gentlemen. There you have it. It has been documented. I look forward to having a lead over both of you when we gather together next week to record. Are we ready to transition? I think we are. Do we need to mention anything? What does Dave need to say about the, the Swole Society? Do you have any oh, plugs? Oh, yeah, we need our... We'll, we need a swole society tip. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, I don't have a tip, but I, I will give a tease to next episode. So we uh, in we do a, a segment called Gym Judge, where we uh, try someone that breaches gym etiquette. Feel free to tweet any stories you guys have. But this morning, I was at the gym, and I saw a guy... Walk up to one of the uh, the lifting platforms. He had a gym bag. He then had three other bags with him. He then proceeded to pull out a full tripod and like a wedding photographer style camera and set it up and move it around the gym recording literally everything he did. Boy, that is that is excessive. And I have a, uh, I have photos on my phone that I'm gonna submit as Exhibit A and Exhibit B. So yeah, should be a should be a fun one. Give it a give it a listen. Episode four, it'll probably drop in the next few days. I did uh, I did enjoy the third episode, which was primarily primarily about pre workout, which is something <laughs> I'm very passionate about. So I was a big fan of that one. Good, thanks. Thanks for listening. Great work. All right. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Swole Society. Yes. Okay. Well, boy, where do we start here? So this this was pretty uh, pretty interesting. So we were going to be reviewing the movie Friday Night Lights, not to be confused with the TV show Friday Night Lights, which which we've already reviewed <laughs> we reviewed every episode basically during the entire year of 2017 i think so quick question uh i had never seen this movie glenn tommy oh yeah i mean a, a large number of times and i read the book in high school Oh, and Dave, Dave, you'll love this. I, I don't know. I can't believe I've never told you this. I saw this. It came out while I was in college. Did you see I it with this, the man? 
I saw this in the theater with the man himself. Yes. Becky Lynch? Yeah, <laughs> Becky Lynch and I went to this movie together. No, we had a mutual friend, Dave and I did, that played for Gary Gaines at Permian. Oh wow! And uh, you know he's our age, so he would have been you know he would have played there, I guess, in the late '90s. But uh, I saw the movie with him, and uh, Mo- Mojo was a big player in his life at that time. There was a lot of Mojo swag being worn by this guy. He had clear eyes, full hearts, full jockstrap. <laughs> I'll go ahead and say it. Walked in on him in a locker room one time and. <laughs> Dead gum pal. <laughs> you're like, whoa. I know you're trying out for the javelin team. <laughs> so Glenn, was there any was there any pre before we get into the movie itself, was there any any pre setup you wanted to give us on uh res- critical reception, box office, anything like that? Uh no, I I didn't look up the specific numbers. You might be able to pull that up real quickly. As oh, yeah. yeah. No, I can handle that. I didn't know if that was part of your... No. You said you had some outside-the-lines type stuff. No, that's a little That's a little later on. But okay. from what I recall, I think from a critical perspective, it was kind of down the middle. There, there was a little bit of disappointment. There was a lot of, I think, hype and expectation for this movie. And it was good, but it, it wasn't received as being you know mind-blowing or just a a great story yeah it appears to have gotten 82 percent on um rotten tomatoes so that's 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 better actually pretty good that's better than i would have thought my positioning statement was this movie was actually better than i remember it i don't remember leaving the movie of course i was in college at the time i was probably thinking about girls and stuff doing stuff with girls and <laughs> all that. But I don't remember leaving the theater with all my male friends thinking like this is the best movie I'd ever seen um, at the time. It only made $62 million in the box office, but it did that on a budget of $30 million, So it, it doubled its investment, So which is a little less than my sports bets did tonight. They have tripled their investment. But Ooh, it's been a about good me. night. It has been a good night. Um. So I, as I mentioned, hadn't seen the movie before, wasn't familiar with the story at all. This centers around the 1988, that's the year, correct? Yeah. Correct. Did the TV series, which I also never watched, it's later, right? It doesn't cover this part of the Permian story. No, we'll get into the similarities and dissimilarities of the tv show but the best the best way to recap it is the tv show certainly borrows elements of many characters in the movie but it's set in a fictional town of Dillon, texas and is over the course of many seasons and has a a lot more plot twists and turns but there is i believe in the finale of the second season a big showdown game i think it's in dallas in the tv series that's essentially against their version of carter okay so there is some tie-in to that but other otherwise and and the coach is not gary Gaines in the t in the tv series although oddly his wife is the same actress in both movies but really yeah we have have more than strange oh yeah there's several uh, there's several repeat characters which is interesting Last note for me before we get into it. So Gary Gaines, the human, the real-life human, not Billy Bob Thornton, 
he was the head coach of Abilene Christian University when uh, when I was going to college there. So Gary Gaines' tenure exactly matched mine, 2000 to 2004. Wow. I didn't know that. I knew that he had coached at Permian, left, and then he came back. But I, yeah, I didn't. came back at late in life and didn't have a very successful run on the uh, repeat. Uh, no, I mean he he also left Abilene with a record of twenty one and thirty. So <laughs> it's not thoughts great. and prayers. Not great, but uh, yeah, I think Permian uh, their last state title was in the early nineties, and in recent years their success is going to be. What's oil doing? Is is oil doing well? Then people are going to move out there, and you're going to have money and talent and all that. When oil's not great, pal, <laughs> you're not going over. <laughs> the movie the movie begins, and, and one other similarity between the movie and the TV show is this kind of elect electric guitar kind of interesting camera shaky camera work soundtrack they kind of pull a lot of that through to the feel of the the tv series too so the the way that it's shot and the way that the they use music especially in the transitional scenes is very similar my first reaction they 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 start the movie out with just some aerial shots of permian my first reaction was man dylan looks terrible (laughs) like i've never seen dylan look that bad and it wasn't like i mean it was like you know our Former president would have probably described <laughs> I, uh, Dylan as an s hole. But yeah. if, if Dylan's an s hole, then Odessa. I mean, yeah. good lord. I've never been out there, but I mean, it has the appearance, at least from the beginning of the movie, as being it's basically Baghdad with a nice football <laughs> stadium next to the highway. Yeah, as the as the movie starts, we're we're hearing audio of the Slammin' Sammy radio show. I had. I can only imagine that he's related to Bad Brad. Yes. <laughs> I had the same thought. <laughs> Another joke for just the three of us. Oh. But I always wonder, I mean, I didn't grow up in a small town, but do they really have these over-the-air <sighs> radio shows where they drill into, like, deep details of high school football and the personal lives of the players, or is that added for movie I'm gonna, continuity? I'm going to say yes, but I don't know if it's in... This gave the uh, indication like it was in drive time. Because I remember... Uh, I have family that you know grew up in a real small town. And uh, one of the local ra- radio stations would have that type of stuff. Call in, talking high school football. But it was on... It was like late Saturday night or late Friday night. It wasn't... It, it wasn't a Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Let's go to the phones and talk about the, the Permian defense. <laughs> I'll Odessa say afternoon drive. I'll say this: then it's not Odessa, but Odessa is probably actually bigger than the uh, the town Mrs. Dave is from. So I have limited experience. But when I was first, we were I was in college. We were dating. Her younger brother was still playing for the uh, football team in their little small town in West Texas, and we went out. You know, and we would uh, a couple times went out there on a on a Friday night, and it was similar. Man, the town shut down. Like the little cafe was closed, and you would go to the game, and the whole team or the whole uh, whole little town was there. And 
definitely ended up sitting at the end of our row next to some local guy who proceeded to tell me not only everything about every player on their town's team, but the team they were playing and the team they were about to play next week. Like if they had had DraftKings, this guy was awesome. Like he was, he would have won the big, the million dollar contest every week. And I don't know how many of them were like that, but there was definitely one guy like that. I, I did. Well, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's been in too many movies for it not to be real. I just, I just have a hard time processing the fact that there are people like that out there. Well, I noticed in the that first montage that one of the callers or the guy on the radio was talking about how much Gary Gaines makes <laughs> and how he makes sixty thousand a year, like. But but with the idea that, that this is some controversial, outlandish number, which I guess, I mean, that was 30 years ago. That's quite a bit of money three decades ago. It probably goes a long way in Odessa, I'm guessing. Buys like half the town. <laughs> <laughs> they, Slam and Sammy's letting us know that it's it's back to, uh, it's it's getting to be football season. It's August. So he's he's set the scene that it's August. Players are coming back for their their preseason workouts. I can't even imagine how hot it had to be August in Odessa in that middle of that sand pit. They didn't do a very good job of pulling that through in the movie, I feel like, because in real life, like I don't even think they could be outside. No, I feel like, uh, especially if they're doing two-a-days, like the practice in the morning is going to be probably like 6 or 7 a.m., and then they're gonna have a an evening practice. Like in, in the in the film, they they line up basically almost in their normal uniforms. It didn't <laughs> even look like practice jerseys. It's like at noon. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make any sense. You get to meet several of the players and the key figures in the movie. The first one you meet is Booby Booby Miles. He's clearly positioned as the star player. This kid kid, I say. Could be the biggest high school player I've ever seen. Until you, you get to the end of the movie. Man. Yeah, till the end of the movie. <laughs> I would equate him to Smash Williams in the series. Would you agree with that? Lots of big talk. Recruiting, being recruited by large programs. Letting everybody know about it, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was clearly Smash Williams from the TV show, clearly based on Booby. Booby's story kind of takes, he's kind of based on two people. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay. So for okay. the the TV show, they just took the same character, but they're like, well, obviously we're not going to call him Booby. <laughs> yeah. Let's call him Smash. Not. Well, and what's funny is while the actor they picked to portray Booby, you could absolutely buy as a dominant high school athlete. They picked a guy that was about five foot four, one hundred and sixty to play Smash. <laughs> But yet we're led to believe that he's being recruited by every major program in the U.S. Could have done better in the casting there. Um, another funny scene. So they're in the locker room getting ready for what I... Watching the movie, I thought, well, they must have skipped ahead to the game because surely they're not showing this elaborate getting dressed scene for practice, but they were. And to Glenn's point, everybody was putting on what looked like full game uniforms and they were like... Uh, nervously congregated in the locker room getting ready for practice. But Booby has his first interfacing with third string running back Chris Comer, spelled Comer, but I figure at some point they chose with the 
long pronunciation of the O. I thought Tommy was going to make a comment about booby being at practice. <laughs> <laughs> we find out, well, I, we'll save that for Swole Society, but we see what Booby's up to in the weight room later, yeah. which I was not pleased. Booby's giving Chris Comer a hard time because he has white Adidas shoes. I was greatly offended by this because that's what I wear when I play golf. That's what Dustin Johnson wears. Are you trying to tell me that premier athletes don't wear white Adidas shoes? I think, I think that's what Booby's trying to tell you. Dustin Johnson won the Masters. What's Booby ever done? I don't know. Not cocaine? <laughs> yeah, my note was, why did they go through all this for the first practice? But they do. They... Uh, you get kind of a feel for who the different characters are. One of the guys you get to meet um, is Tim McGraw, <laughs> country music superstar. I think this was his first acting gig. He was great in this. Oh, he's like, phenomenal. Well, I mean, I know he was great because you hate him. Like, he, he really elicits emotion from you. He's a he you. <laughs> Boy, was he ever. <laughs> but you get, uh, you get like the, this is the first practice you get the interviews with the key players with the local press, the local media. So you get to meet uh, some of the main characters that way. Um, one of them is the guy he's playing is Ivory Christian, which they call Preacher Man, which is the guy that basically doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. The media is just asking him questions and he's just <laughs> looking at him. So he needed a mouthpiece. He needed like Paul Heyman to be there with him. <laughs> <laughs> he He's needed AJ Styles. Yes. He needed to follow AJ Styles. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of guys, this is their acting debut. The guy that played Preacher Man is a guy by the name of Lee Jackson, who is a defensive end for the University of Texas, who graduated like literally the year before this movie was made. Interesting. And returned a fumble in the 2003 Cotton Bowl for a touchdown. As we bring it back to sports. You would remember that. Fondly. <laughs> I did think the media asking the players questions, and, and not just, this is kind of going back to right on track. It wasn't just one high school newspaper reporter. It was every media outlet you could possibly imagine, probably from like a 300-mile radius with camera rigs set up. And and they, were, they weren't like letting these kids off with easy questions either they were pressing them and trying to generate controversy there's no way that happens right do we also want to i mean the answer is no but (laughs) do we also want to call into question uh it's Gaines, right coach Gaines, right yes gary Gaines. he doesn't really seem to be running a tight ship there's like parents running down in the field in the middle of practice there's reporters everywhere like but the thing is billingsley's dad tim mcgraw is like a former star at permian hey and he gets to do what he whatever he wants i'm just gonna say in coaches of sports movies coach normandale wouldn't stand for that now that's true, and that's yeah. He ran a closed practice. We've we've established that from Hoosiers. There was no a, spectating allowed. That's a review for later on. I'm all in on that. But since we're talking about Coach Gaines, Coach Gaines's motivational speeches in this movie are at the top, or at least near the top of the list for the whole thing. Like if I just had a montage of his motivational talks, 
Like I could get through pretty much anything. I'm with you. I, I will say this. I was pretty, not necessarily flatlined because there was definitely moments in the movie, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was loving it until his speech before the last game or halftime, I guess, at the last game. Oh, and then I was fired we'll get to up. That. We'll get to that. And I have a, I have a personal story that corresponds with that, but that's for, that's for a little later in the hour. All right. So Tim McGraw's character is mad at his son, who's goes by Billing, the last name of Billingsley. He uh, he has the f- problem that is like so generic to sports movies, like that he fumbles every time he gets tackled. There's no way that's a real thing. That there's players that still are on the team as seniors that every time they <laughs> handle the ball they fumble. Like you would eventually be benched. Even a coach with suspect credentials like Gary Gaines would eventually say, you know, I don't think we can trust you to handle the ball. I don't think it was literally every time. <laughs> Maybe just every time they showed it in the movie. You also meet the quarterback, Mike Winchell or Winchell. Yeah, yeah. Winchell. He clearly was the Matt Saracen character from the show <laughs> because not only did he have the same personality, the don't smile all business. He also had a adult family member at home. I think it was a grandmother in the series. This is that he mom had to, in this one, yeah. Yeah, he had to look after that had some undiagnosed issue that caused him never to be able to leave the house. So at this point, do we want to... Are we convinced that Booby is really that good, or is it just every other running back on the team either fumbles all the time or can barely run? <laughs> Or has the wrong shoes. Yeah, has the wrong shoes. Yeah, Booby's good, man. Did you see him jogging in slow motion at the beginning of the movie? Like I, I did. Yeah, Miss, Mrs. Tommy did, that's for sure. <laughs> I got a few comments about that. After practice, they head to the hamburger stand. And, of course, everybody in town is there. Every player on the team, most most other Odessa members of town. And they all know the players, so they're being treated like celebrities. All the guys are just hanging around talking about getting laid, which, I mean, that's pretty much what we do when we're at hamburger restaurants. <laughs> Every time I'm at Sonic. I mean, I remember when we were at Biggio's for three days. It's just like the whole time we're just like, man, you know, we got to do is we got to go get laid tonight. I was, like, I was like, man, this stupid Kobe helicopter death. It's ruining, ruining my whole scene. It was also awkward since Tommy's child was there. <laughs> <laughs> this is your new mom. <laughs> Well, interspersed with the hamburger stand scene, they cut to Coach Gaines at a, uh, I guess, like a fancy dinner with members of the community. And it's there that we realize that Buddy Garrity is in both the movie and the TV show. <laughs> By God. As the same character. That's Buddy Garrity's music. <laughs> <laughs> and man, I mean, he's even more of a heel in this than he is in the TV series, I think. Because in the TV series, he has some redeeming qualities. He's like straight heel in this in this uh movie depiction yeah he's not a nice guy in the movie he's kind of a uh, you know at some point wealthy but kind of a bumbling idiot or kind of a goofball maybe who just likes football in the tv series but yeah he's not the nicest guy here and And one thing go ahead i was gonna say as the dinner scene progresses i will let you or dave uh point out the next development apart as part of dinner 
Oh, are you talking about the, we talking about the language or the fact that Coach Taylor's wife is the same character? Because both of those are revealed. <laughs> I'm talking about the language. Well, yeah, they used they used some terms that we don't. It would get you canceled, probably. It absolutely would get you canceled. What am I talking about? So this this is the part that's in the book, but is only this is really the only part of the movie that kind of touches on it with uh, there being a you know, potential segregation and or racism issue in the city of Odessa in 1988. You're kidding me. That, that Permian, like Permian High School, I, I think was like 98% white at this time. Really? And at one point in time, there were three high schools in that area and... They ended up closing one of them, and it was the predominantly minority high school. I don't know if that happened before or after 1988, but there was big issues on that front. And that was the only, from the city of Odessa's uh, standpoint, that was the big controversy about the book, was they were depicted as um, essentially the minority players on the team were viewed as these are not viewed as as kids these are like a means to an end we need to win a state title so the point in that scene is like hey you need to play booby both ways play him at running back play him at linebacker and the coach is like well you know we really want to save him you know just for on offense but the implied attitude is we don't care if he's run down or broken by the end of the season once he graduates we don't need him anymore ah indeed I'll hold that thought. Um, b- despite the language, we also had, which I think probably any high school coach that does have to kind of schmooze boosters does deal with, which is the ridiculous sports opinions by the rich wives, <laughs> where she's like, <laughs> I mean, this is like the Steve Eiserman between the pipes guy. She's <laughs> like, hey, let's just put Booby in at linebacker, man. He can do it all. Like, I know he's a running back, but just throw him out there. Let him Let him hit some people. Well, and Gary is way too nice of a guy, or he just needs to be nice in that situation because he needs to be like, you know what, Diane, why don't you just pass the potatoes and uh, me and Buddy will talk football. So <clears throat> back at the hamburger stand, they've the preacher and uh, and our uh, our QB Winchell have decided to head on to a party that they were made aware of. And then a scene that I can only imagine probably has played out in Glenn's life many times is a uh, a female, not a not a terrible looking female, uh, challenges him to prove he's not gay. <laughs> I was going to say the, probably the only probably the only similarity is somebody going, "What are you gay?" <laughs> None of the other stuff ever happened. And uh, and yeah, he did. Apparently, he proved it. I don't know. Uh, if he proved it well or not, they kind of they frown upon showing those kind of scenes with underage people. But we were to understand that something did take place, and then he's uh, no no emotion. He's ready to head out. And then my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> the only reason we're doing this. So uh, Billingsley, Tim McGraw's son, who I, I guess probably is the closest to the Riggins character. I mean, not totally sold out, but he's got the long hair, dysfunctional family, you know, slightly different. 
But uh, he's with a uh, he's with a young lady, which I don't understand. Unless they thought the home was empty or nobody was around. Well, they were drunk too. Yeah, because I mean they're they're like in the living room of the house, just getting down to business immediately. I would also like to ask another question here. Why is Billingsley's dad also married to someone who looks like they're in high school? <laughs> Am I the only one that's picked up on that? Why is Wait, Billingsley's dad shirtless ninety five percent of the movie? But this is this is a great scene. So at some point, while uh, they're probably rounding second, headed to third, they become aware that Tim McGraw is now just standing there. <laughs> cheering his son on like all right son i'm gonna close the deal here or what billingsley as you might imagine gets quite annoyed at this and he has a um a little bit of a hostile showdown with his dad which culminates in his dad um teaching him not to fumble by duct taping the football to his hands that works a lot i've heard that's a very popular technique but that is a if you're going through Twitter on a uh, Cowboy Sunday and say this season it's a game that Zeke Elliott has fumbled a couple times, you will absolutely see tweets that recommend maybe we need to run a roll of duct tape around his arm so he can hold on to the ball. You will see that. This next scene has got Swole Society written all over it because they're at the gym. I wasn't real they, impressed with what a uh, what quarterback man was throwing up on overhead shoulder press. I figured that's where you were going to go first. I think he had tens on the side. And no wonder all, saw, all they want him to do is hand off. <laughs> from what you saw in that scene, do you any critique on anybody's form? Anybody <laughs> doing things you liked or didn't like in that scene? Well, like I said, I don't think uh, we were getting max effort out of the quarterback. Um, Booby did not lift at all, gentlemen. He got stronger without even practicing it's almost, at lifting weights. It's almost like he was just relying on natural ability. I mean, that's what he said. He said he doesn't need to lift. Hey, we saw him running in slow motion. He may be right. <laughs> Preacher Man, I think, had about 300-plus on the bench that he was throwing up. So He was earning it. Yeah. Booby just it happens naturally, man. Probably doesn't study the playbook either. He just takes the ball and runs it home. We find out in a real quick interlude that Mike uh, Winchell, the quarterback, is being recruited by uh, noted powerhouse Kansas Wesleyan. <laughs> I believe I had them plus the points tonight, and they did cover, so I was pretty excited. Boy, his, is his mom, who I think has the same disease as the mom and over the top, is she, <laughs> she extremely annoying? Like, these these guys are coming in just asking him some questions, like we're interested, and she's like, are you offering? If you're offering, and we, we say yes. And and Winchell's looking over like, it's Kansas Wesleyan. Like, <laughs> it's basically the college is an apartment. Like, I don't know if I want to go there. No, it's never never a good uh, negotiating tactic to say, hey, whatever you're offering, we'll accept. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way first. It's time for the first game. 
I was pretty disappointed that there was no clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose speech. Was it written on the wall anywhere that everybody tapped on the way to the field? It appeared the college scouts were out in force for this one. Oh, yeah. And Uncle LV's putting on the big – he was putting the big sell at practice about Bowie, yeah. but, but he uh, – every opportunity – now I noticed something in this scene that I know I'm the only one that did, but Uh-oh. it's gonna pop. It's gonna pop Glenn big when they're showing Booby standing on the sideline next to Coach at the very beginning, like clearly visible behind the bench. There's a guy in a football jersey in a wheelchair, and I'm like, there, there is Jason Street. They've rolled him out for the first game. Future sports a- sports agent with only a high school education. But I was gonna, I was gonna add though, and we'll get to what happens in a second. But I think Booby was kind of a com- a composite between mainly Smash with a little Jason Street thrown in, just not as traumatic of an injury. Okay, that's fair. And minus the hot girlfriend. Um, but yeah, I I was pretty excited to see they had a guy. Uh, had a game he might have had one of those trach things though so they might have even taken it extreme for jason streaks i don't think he ever had one of those (laughs) he got got hit and he got paralyzed and he got throat cancer he might have just been yeah it might have just been uh you know temporary but we'll see okay um so so permian's dominating the game i mean every time booby touches the ball they show him score like Nine touchdowns, but it's only thirty-five to seven. I don't, I don't know how the math works on that. Maybe, maybe after the fifth one, they only count for half. <laughs> He's dominating. So, so our guy Chris Comer uh, got a guy with the white Adidas. My man, he knows style. They're ready to get him into the game after it's about 42. Uh, they're up about 42 late in the fourth, and he's misplaced his helmet. Mm-hmm. And Surely something as minor as that won't have repercussions. No, I'm sure they just showed that just for some comedic relief. They throw Booby back in the game uh, in a blowout, and of course they they call a handoff to him. And uh, and then I mean, I, Glenn, were you okay watching this? Did you have to Did you have to fast forward by this part? It's more difficult to watch it now than it was 17 years ago. But as soon as he goes down, I believe one of the announcers or commentators was like, well, that's a, probably an ACL. An ACL in 1988 was like pretty much a death sentence. Yeah, it definitely seemed that way because watching the movie now, you're like, all right, so you know, you take the rest of your high school year off and then you go play at USC or wherever in the freshman year. Yeah, not... Not back then. Do you, do you guys want a? Uh, uh, we'll get to it now. A not so fun Chris Comer note. Uh-oh. Sure. Chris Comer, rest in peace. <laughs> oh no. Did uh, did he get? Did he crash a golf cart into a boulder? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't see the cause of death. But he he died back in I think it was 2018 at the age of 46. He died in t- 2001 or 1989. I think uh, he was riding along and he forgot his helmet. And then that <laughs> didn't, didn't work out so well. 
I'd like to just dedicate the rest of this podcast as memory. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board. That. Yeah. So they've got they've got a uh, they're they're in the locker room after the game and uh you know coach Gaines is getting the getting the rundown and they're like, you know, whatever the the trainer says, you know, I felt could feel the, you know, movement that didn't seem right, you know, I, I think he's got a torn ACL. And then, you know, Gaines being the consummate professional that he is, he walks right into the team and is like, "Hey, Booby's going to be fine. We're going to we're going to get back out there next week." I feel like he wasn't that good of a, uh, you know, I know you said you'd run through a wall for him, but I feel like his leadership early in the movie was suspect, especially in this situation. Yeah, that's a tough spot right there. I, he, he wanted the boys to enjoy their win. Exactly. You don't want him down all weekend and thinking about it all week. You, you let him know he's going to have to miss a week. Probably means he's going to miss a game. They can accept that and then... then We'll get Booby back. We'll give Booby the ball. That's all we got to do. Booby had a great line in here because Coach told him, he said, we know, get your uh, apparently uncle. I thought it was his grandfather, but what do I know? Uh, he said, you know, have him take you into, into Midland to get an MRI. And he said, can an MRI fix your knee? Yeah. And I watched a uh, kind of a – I don't know if it was behind the scenes. I, I have the DVD for this, so it was on the extras for that that I watched this morning. And they, they cast this very well. Uh, like the, the guy who plays the quarterback, just really in any of his roles, he doesn't really have any personality whatsoever. And Mike Winchell was the guy who never he never smiles, doesn't have any enthusiasm about everything. He's just level like all the time. Um, and, and Booby was a very cocky individual and they had the real, his first name is actually James, I believe. And they had some interviews with the real James Miles and he talks about him being like extremely confident. And, uh, he also emphasizes, uh, yeah, pretty much put all my eggs in one basket with football. And I didn't learn until after I hurt my knee, how important education was. So I kind of buy the fact that he really may have thought that an MRI was what would fix your knee. The next game is against Abilene. So Gary Gaines probably <clears throat> doubling that as a recruiting trip to get wooed <laughs> by ACU 12 years later. I believe in this case, there's two high schools in Abilene. There's High and Cooper. Anybody knows that who's a fan of Texas football. Absolutely. They're playing Abilene High. I mean, they were shooting it at the real stadium. I'll give them credit. I mean, that was, it was shot, shot well. well. Yeah, yeah, Shotwell Stadium. That was that was correct on site. It wasn't. Uh, there weren't mountains in the background <laughs> that I was aware of. So that's yeah, that was encouraging. Um, Abilene wins by forty. I mean, they they just drilled them. Uh, without Booby, they basically had zero offense. It was a it was a very tough situation. And when they return home to uh, to Dillon. Or uh, Permian. Can, can I ask a football question? Yeah, go ahead. I want to. I want to ask a football question. Okay. I feel like we have to. We have to establish something. One. Booby was so incredible that despite Permian having an absolutely terrible offensive line, he was still able to run for nine touchdowns in the first game. Or 
how like I mean the whether they're running or passing there's people in the backfield immediately every single play right like did the team give up on coach Gaines <laughs> that's the question that needs to be answered here were they trying he to lose, get has he lost the team I think he lost the team <laughs> they're trying game to get Winchell two. they're trying to get Winchell hurt Maybe they believe Coach Gaines so much that they just expected at any moment the glass would break and Booby would run down the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe so. This game at Abilene, which they really – they was at the right stadium. They they clearly just filmed part of a game that was quite literally being played around that time at that stadium. And There's then the a one, game being played on a field. That's right. And then the one thing that I pointed out that bothers me – is they do scoreboard shots and there are it's running down to you know whatever's left in the game. I think it was this game. It might have been the next montage, but there are tenths of a second on the <laughs> clock, which was definitely not a thing in 1988. Like that is well into the 90s in football. I think I don't think most stadiums have that now. Yeah, some that's a do. basketball thing. Yeah, some do, but I think the majority do not. So that that bothered this reporter. Pretty significantly. When they get back from Abilene, they they get home, and I guess all the local realtors have posted for sale signs in their yard. And this was a scene that happened in the TV show as well. So this is something they pulled through. So hold on, did you think that was realtors or just like people pulling them out of other yards? Oh, I'm sure it was that. I right. I, I, I would imagine that the uh, there's not like a text thread of all the realtors, and they're like, we got to get gains. <laughs> but has there ever been a high school sports movie where the coach wasn't coaching for his job, and the only way to keep it was to win the whole thing? <laughs> they have high expectations in uh, at Odessa Permian, apparently, because, yeah, I, I feel like... You lose your you lose your best player and and uh, you you have a, a little bit of a setback and yeah then then the expectation goes from well you have to win state with, without your best player or you're done. I think Buddy Garrity was a heel in this. He probably had something to do with those signs too. I, I have a feeling he probably orchestrated that. Well, and at least to this point, you've lost Booby. They basically make Chris Comer look like he's a kid who who could possibly have a, like a minor disability <laughs> when in reality Chris Comer is considered one of the greatest running backs to ever set foot in that school. Also, <laughs> while we're on unrealistic things, we really think there's 15 different realtors in Odessa. <laughs> I figure the, uh, they're they're all Buddy Garrity. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy's Buddy's got his hand in everything there, and in every one probably too. Uh, there's a couple of little what I feel like were ma- basically inconsequential interlude scenes before the next game. Unless you guys have any thoughts, they did have the skeet shooting scene. I didn't really have anything out of that. I don't know if you guys did. No, not really. I think that was, there was just more like the, trying to get across the pressure that they're under. Because one of them mentions like, uh, "Hey, it's not a, that big of a deal. You know, we're just we're just seventeen year olds." And I think Billingsley's like, "Do you feel like you're 17? Indeed. Um, and then 
there was a scene where Gaines visited Mike Winchell at home, but again, I didn't feel like much came out of that that was worth discussing. So if you guys are okay, we'll go to the next game against well, Abilene. other than the great Coach Gaines whole point of that visit was to tell him like you need to abandon your ill mother <laughs> and just take care of yourself well maybe that's why glenn liked him so much <laughs> it was a good point i mean he was trying to get across you're not he was right you don't need to stay here forever you're gonna have to leave it sometime because we did have the i don't know if it was before or after the skeet shooting but we had something where we had winchell on the payphone clearly talking to another sibling like, hey, it's football season. I got a lot going on. We need help around here. I thought you could come back and help take care of mom. And and Glenn Winchell was like, I don't know. I got a lot going on. There was a, a weird moment by the coach, though. I just, for this kind of feel-good movie, I thought, it was kind of like if like halfway through over the top, he was just like, turns it around like yeah she ain't gonna make it let's just go back to the the bar and hang out (laughs) to the diner and get the smasher (laughs) they go play abilene cooper next they uh, get down early in the game but they have some special teams things go their way to claw back in it and then we get the emergence of chris comer as the as a running back threat learning that he was actually <laughs> one of the most successful running backs ever. And I do think they added at the end because he stayed around for the next season and won, so maybe that was their homage to him is like, uh, yeah, okay, we he led the team to a state title, but don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll focus on that, 19, an undefeated season. Well, yeah, they, they throw like a shovel pass to him, and he takes it up the sidelines like 70-something yards, and then the coach and the staff are just surprised that he was the one like yeah you put him in the game like you know who is that guy that's our chris comer (laughs) you know who's in the game well you know the coaches were looking at the depth chart and they're like well with booby injured we have two running backs one that puts the ball on the ground every time he touches it and this other one that we're not sure can run (laughs) yeah and doesn't know where his helmet is currently (laughs) They get the W there. Booby's going to go get a uh, a proper medical opinion, not just at the local Odessa clinic, which, boy, that place. I, I, I would like to do a, a documentary about the health code violations there. His grandfather slash uncle is driving him up to what he tells him is the best hospital in Texas. Uh, spoiler alert. The best hospital in Texas is not in Midland. I hate to break it to you guys. But was it in 1988? (laughs) And how many Ebola patients have they killed? (laughs) I'm going to go with probably not. When you talk about casting, this doctor was a great job of casting, too. He he gives the worst explanation you would give to a teenager (laughs) in history. Like, I I don't... And he never even could explain what he was saying, because I kept saying, well, like... Does it need a surgery? What are you gonna do? He could never articulate what he was trying to say. Yeah, I'm kind of with given how that doctor's explanation. I'm kind of with Booby thinking he may have been a double agent for Midland, like because <laughs> he's kind of like, well, he didn't give any medical opinion on what happens next. He's just like, listen, the only thing I know for sure is you definitely can't play football <laughs> yeah, like, against Midland what? this week. 
Like what you do is great. And what you can't do are all those great things. It's basically <laughs> what he got his doctorate in. I mean, he didn't follow. I've always, in the movie Moneyball, Brad Pitt's character tells Jonah Hill's character, hey, you're going to tell this guy he's cut and you're giving him bad news. And basically the advice is you give him the news as quickly as possible and then you get out of there. Like you yes. don't make small talk. You don't, none of that. And the news should have been... Here's the MRI. You have a torn ACL. You require surgery. You will not be playing football. But that doesn't make a good scene. That just, <laughs> he's going to walk out and then Booby's going to cry. No, so this guy's just bumbling through this explanation. And, and yeah, the double agent accusation, Booby storms out. The game that next weekend's against Midland. So maybe the doctor, well, I mean, do we know he wasn't lying? I mean,. Did he get a second opinion from the second best hospital in Texas? I don't think so. Or if they did, it was in the deleted scenes. <laughs> this is a big game. If Permian wins this, they they get solo uh, possession of first place in the district. If they lose, they get uh, put into a three-way, which Tim Riggins is very familiar with. <laughs> in, in the TV <laughs> show, they would have thrown the game. <laughs> Billings like like sort of had one earlier in the movie with his dad. <laughs> his dad and whoever his mom was. <laughs> there was four walls and way too many. Um, okay, so during this game um, against Midland, uh, Billingsley has an epic, horribly timed fumble, which means he carried the ball once. <laughs> and then, like, an amazing face mask. Like, I mean, that would be, like, a ejection-level face mask penalty. And what's funny is I think, you know, his dad was really mad when he fumbled. And then after he saw the face mask, he's like, nah. <laughs> Not a bad play. That's football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there's a little bit of a, uh, a montage of things just falling apart in the fourth quarter. And I, I had to know, in one of those, they're trying to, they're trying to get uh, – get back in the game and it's all kind of supposed to be contained within the end of the fourth quarter but there's one part where like Winchell clearly gets sacked and fumbles and then they just cut to like the next play and I'm like well, wait a minute he fumbled like they they lost possession of the ball there shouldn't be another play I, how do they miss there was that a lot of floor really up until the last game I didn't think the football was portrayed well as far as like giving you a real feel for any of these games, yeah. As far as the like game flow, I yeah. completely agree. Now I also think, and this goes all the way through, it was like Rocky level the hits in there. Oh my gosh, the <laughs> yeah. gif, the gift someone put on the uh, the uh, tell me where to turn account with the guy <laughs> flying so clearly off the top coming rope, coming off a trampoline because he's like vertical. <laughs> Die like moving vertically and then turns it into a dive. You have oh the guy goodness. with the massively dislocated finger. Yes, gosh. In every game, man, just massive amounts of blood. It was like yeah, a the ECW pay per view in 1996, man. The blood was always flowing. So in this game against Midland, they're they're down to it. I mean, Comer can't get anything going. I mean. He's just – he can't get back to the line of scrimmage. 
Uh, Booby's dressed out for this game because he's convinced the Midland doctor was a, was a double agent. And he talks his way onto the field in the fourth quarter. They hand him the ball, and he kind of goes to plant and, like, immediately, like, grabs his knee, like, gets tackled. So you're like, okay, that was a bad idea. Like, you know, coach shouldn't have done that, whatever. So what do we do? What, 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 would, be the, what would be the logical thing to do next after that? Well, obviously, just run the same play to the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he plants with the other leg. It'll be fine. So let's go the other way. Uh, and and Booby's uh, just gets wrecked on this play. Like, clearly, like, if there was any bit of ACL left, it's now gone. He's he's laying on the uh, he's laying on the ground. He's now he's now clearly uh, he's now clearly done for the season, and they uh, they end up losing the game, throwing into the end zone at the end. Can't uh, can't pull it off. So th- I, I went and checked their actual schedule and results from '88 today, and uh, this game I don't know if the circumstances were exactly the same, but they lost this game by one point. I don't know if it came down to the very last play. But it was a very... Uh, well, I actually have uh, differences between the movie and the book pulled up right here, and it says, the annual duel against Midland Lee was portrayed as Lee having handy lead throughout the game with Permian never having a shot. In real life, Lee had to come from behind with a late-game touchdown to win by one point. Okay. So, so there you go. So there you go. He won by one point. The one thing I enjoyed, I think, as part of this game was Booby goes out, they're really struggling, they're down at the end, they got to come back, and the... The offensive coordinator is like, well, I think we're going to switch to, I forgot what he called it. It was basically the hurry up offense. And Gaines is like, well, you better damn do something. (laughs) (laughs) What this does is it means that the, uh, the three teams are tied. So in the, uh, in the movie that was Permian Midland Lee and Abilene Cooper. But what this uh, website internet is telling me North Colorado covered. They actually we're won six, outright. We are six and zero. Oh. Six and zero oh today, baby. Six and zero oh in basketball. Do you realize that we have just won hundreds and hundreds of dollars, Glenn? On you guys have low a, level NCAA basketball. This has been the one. This has been maybe the best day of my life. <laughs> so you guys have a problem. There's a there's a comma in what I won today. Oh yeah, I have no doubt. This wow. is, this was a huge day. In re, oh, so in the movie it was uh, Midland. Oh, uh, Permian and Abilene Cooper, but that was actually, for whatever reason, that wasn't the three teams that actually did the coin toss. It was Permian, Midland Lee, and Midland High. Okay. So in the movie, uh, Cooper loses the coin toss. In reality, Midland High lost the coin toss, which was actually would have been a story in a movie in and of itself because Midland High had not made the playoffs since 1951. <laughs> And they lost and on a coin flip. Lost on a coin toss and did not ever actually make the playoffs until 2002. So wow. an over 50-year drought almost made, but uh, the misidentified heads, tails, which that's factored into Dave's life in a big way, Boy. too, in a uh, junior dragster situation. Well, and we also, on the show. Do we catch what Coach Gaines was trying to pull here? Flipping the nickel? What nickel? The 69 nickel. Very nice. Very nice, we Coach Gaines. <laughs> we didn't get the shot of the wife at home. <laughs> he just kind of winked at the TV. <laughs> but that was uh, that's one of the great Billy Bob moments 
he's he's already given Winchell the you know Winchell mentions when they're in the car that he just feel like he feels like he's cursed and coach Gaines is like you know curses don't exist you know and then right before he flips the coin he turns around he's like there are no curses and he flips it and Permian's going to the playoffs guys I got so, some bad news for you guys. Oh, go ahead. In the movie, Mike Winchell was shown with Coach Gaines at the coin toss. In reality, no players from any of the three schools were allowed at the coin toss. It kind of makes sense. That does. That does. Um, hold on real quick. I want to double check something before I say it. So c- carry on. Counting how much money he won tonight. The, uh, the, <laughs> the, the next scene is... Billingsley driving his dad home Hold in the on. car. Real quick, I I, yeah. I confirmed it. So you guys know who uh, Winchell is, right? No. Yeah. Him, he, and Billy Bob may have also been in Sling Blade. He was the little kid in Sling Blade. Oh, boy, that that is one that went right over my head. He was also in uh, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. If Quite an eclectic career. If you've seen that. <laughs> Glenn and I encountered a waitress that did one time. <laughs> Told us um, she loved all the Fast and the Furious movies and liked taking salsa packets in there with her. <laughs> to put on her popcorn. <laughs> And that is a joke for exactly two people. <laughs> that she had made literally thousands of dollars during the course of the year. Billingsley's driving his dad home. He's drunk, and he decides he needs some fresh air. So when I'm driving and I need fresh air, I do the same thing he did, which is just kick out one of the windows <laughs> in the car to get some fresh air. He He's really all over the map in this scene, but... He's, uh, you know, of course, just chewing out his son. And uh, at one point, he's kind of giving him the, like, you know, holding up his championship ring. And, the, you know, he's basically doing the Uncle Rico speech, you know, if I could go back and win state. And he throws his ring out the window. I was just nonsensical because it was such an important item to him. So, of course, um, Billingsley pulls the car over and he's frantically searching on the side of the road. And I was thinking, like, you know, is is this when uh, Billy Bob and uh, and Winchell are going to drive back by, like, holding up the number one because they just won the coin toss? <laughs> Which I think would have been better for the movie, to be honest. Be like, hey, what are you guys up to? <laughs> there's no but, way uh, he finds that ring, by the way. No, no. there's no way. You talk about the per- uh, proverbial needle in a haystack. They, uh, it, But it is playoff time, so they've made it. They uh, they're back at school and Booby's now in there cleaning out his locker. So he's 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 come to grips with the fact that he's not playing any more football. He's got the knee brace on. He uh, doesn't have crutches when he goes into the gym, but does have them later, which I don't know where he got them from. We won't worry about that. Nah. He also completely no sells it. Oh yeah, yeah. He's playing it very cool in there. Uh, you know, being a fairly good teammate, I got to say, he, he did redeem himself a little bit in my eyes in this scene. Yeah. When he gets out of the car with grandpa slash uncle, he loses it, just breaks down. And this was actually a good scene, man. Like, I, this got me a little bit. This oh, was, yeah. Uh, I got the feels on this one a little bit. That he can't, he play, well. can't play football anymore. And even going back to when he comes back to play, which we assume that that's, I don't know, a week or two later, 
Like the fact that he was able to even give it a shot if he blew out his ACL within a couple weeks. Now, he he was a little younger uh, than I was, but like a, a week or so after I tore everything in mine, my whole leg just looked like a huge tree trunk. It was so <laughs> swollen, I could barely bend it, much less try to run a 35 blast against <laughs> Abilene Cooper. Yeah, so, the the injured booby did. It got to you a little bit. It got to you when he was sitting out on the porch after the yeah. injury and saw the trash men go by and was just contemplating like his own future. So I think it was a sad time. I think that's in, intentional because I think that's at least maybe not his entire working career, but that's what he went on to be was like sanitation engineer so if we had his resume pulled up right now waste management might be on there at some point i think at some point okay and not the not the good like mob waste management job no no i'm talking about the green yeah the green bins Mm, tough one the uh one other continuity note this is a small one but it was interesting it said um in many scenes of the movie, when they're showing football, you can see Under Armour logos visible on face masks and shields. And uh, in 1998, the founder of uh, Under Armour was actually still in high school as well. So, just a little note, little notes, uh, little fun notes so there. Fun. So it's play, it's like it's playoff these. time. So uh, they uh, the first game, according to the uh, to the TV uh, to the movie, was Je- uh, against Jesuit, which they won. That's not who they played uh, in reality. Uh, they won the second round. I I can't even read my own handwriting. Who they played then? They played Nimitz in round three, Amarillo in round four, setting up a showdown with Coach Carter, Dallas so, Carter. Real real quick, and I'm always confused by this. So each of these games, they show like a two-second clip of essentially just two different uniforms on a field running half a play. So why change like the little graphic saying who they played? Why not go with what actually happened? Well, no, and what's even funnier is Jesuit is a private school. So in 1988, they wouldn't have even been allowed in the playoffs in general. They would have been playing in a total. Now, in the mid-2000s, they changed the the rules and did allow private schools to compete in UIL. But in 1988, Jesuit, any Jesuit school in town, Dallas or Houston, it says no matter who they were saying it was, wouldn't have been competing in the um, UIL playoffs. So, yeah, so why good. do that? What, I'm so what, confused by of that. What benefit, of what benefit is that to throw that up there when – I don't know. It, changes nothing in the movie i mean i don't know if you if it's like a naming rights issue or just the getting the permission to use the school's name in the movie maybe irving nimitz was like no we will not we will not be a part of this we you will not nimitz. sully the good we have, name of irving nimitz. we have seen the dinner scene and we do not appreciate it and we will not be a part of this film the guy's like no 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 you don't you don't understand Tim McGraw watches his son. <laughs> yeah, then we're gonna opt out of that one. Uh, okay, so the uh, then this gets this is where I, the movie got a kind of a weird turn for me. So they have this scene where I guess the coaching staff or administrators and coaching staff of Carter show up in Permian 
to discuss the uh, particulars of the championship game, w- would this have been something that would actually have happened where the yeah. w- but the coaches would have had to decide after the playoffs were already complete yeah. where to play the game, and, and they just think they can – they can book a venue like on a on a moment's notice. That's that's how it would go. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I I know when I was in high school and we were in the playoffs in basketball that before the first round of the playoffs, they were already maybe it, we hadn't played the first game yet. But if we advanced and played the school that was waiting to play the winner of our game, there was already discussions on where it would be played. So that's not like that's way in advance. So, I mean, I think this generally resembles the process. And getting into the real stuff, in that discussion, Odessa, Permian really offered, hey, let's just play it at her home stadium as like a realistic option, which that's Carter what I was wondering, like, immediately rejected. You would think just based on every other year, like it's always on a neutral site. <laughs> what they left out was Carter's response was, we have an idea. We're going to build our own field. <laughs> That's why I was We just s- need some lights, portable lights, and we can do this. I definitely had that thought watching the movie when they were going back and forth, and then finally they settle on, well, let's play you know, at the at the Dome in Houston. And I wanted to go in and see like, man, it's going to take a long time to build that. <laughs> They did bring in some racial stuff here, too, because I, I think the reason they said they didn't want to play in Permian is they were worried about some type of a racial problem between their fans and the Permian fans. So that yeah, they do kind of touch on that again. Oh, you mean in, in, the, the, in the tremendously white and racist town of Odessa that, that they yes. would be concerned? Yes, that's, uh, that was the, uh, that was the uh, subtext there. And then also they, they spent a, some degree of time talking about the racial makeup of the referee crew so i didn't yeah. know that you could just request an all-black referee crew see I, like how do you put in that request yeah that i don't know because i feel like i feel like there's i feel like officials work like with the same group predominantly so you're just getting i don't know if it's from a different district or just from that area where the game is played i I have my doubts that you would pick and choose that yeah. you're gonna have mike be the umpire and <laughs> Don be the line judge and that type of thing. Well, that's what Coach Gaines was saying is keeping a having a crew that's already worked together in between the uh, great discussion of how many white and black stripes zebras have. <laughs> it's all very high concept. Very. What they did, one good decision they made with the referees. Did you notice one of the referees was a fairly prominent character from the TV series? I did not notice that. No, the uh, the head official was Coach Taylor's assistant coach that later had a heart attack, I think, in season three of oh, the series. Wow. Yeah. So, and thank Mrs. Tommy for that call out because I said, man, that guy looks familiar. She's like, that's who it is. And we looked it up and sure enough. Do you think that was, that was the moment where she regained consciousness after the <laughs> slow motion jogging scene? <laughs> She'd been passed out for an hour and 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> then you walked back. I was like, I recognize that guy. Yeah, I've seen that guy. Where's Booby? Hey, before I, we by the go, oh, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, you go I ahead. I was gonna say that that head official is trash because the big controversy officiating. He knew the right call, but he wouldn't make it. No, he didn't have the stones to overrule his teammate. So, 
before we get to the the next game, which is the Carter Permian game, I did a little bit of research, guys. As the 1988 Dallas Carter team and everything that surrounds it is pretty darn interesting. Pretty, pretty interesting. And you might say this guy watched another movie <laughs> entitled Carter High, available on Amazon Prime. Can I ask a quick question before you get into this? Go ahead. The only knowledge, like I mentioned, I had of any of this, I didn't know any of the story, I just sat down and watched the movie. I know I know the name Carter High School from Dallas, right? I don't know anything about it. Was it normal that their school was made up entirely of 30-year-old men <laughs> that weighed like 320 pounds? So that is... Hold that thought. Yeah, that is depicted in the movie in that fashion. But I think what they were trying to... Uh, I don't know if it's compensate for or what the correct word is. The 88 Carter team is commonly referred to as one of the greatest Texas high school football teams of all time. Like, it's probably top 10, if not top 5, ever. They had somewhere in the range of 20 Division One players on one high school team. <laughs> uh, there were three guys... Ridiculous. Three guys that played in the NFL... Uh, one guy who was an all-pro in the NFL that came from this team. Um, They may have had... Okay, so let's... Carter's journey through the playoffs. They get through their season that year. They get towards the end of the season, right before the playoffs, and then they get essentially kicked out of the playoffs because they had used an ineligible player who had allegedly failed his algebra class. But then there was a controversy whether he really failed, he had transferred classes, this whole deal. They go to court about it. They get more or less an injunction to kind of hold off the ruling until later, which allows them to play in the playoffs. They actually have a time where they've played like one or two playoff games, and then it it goes from like the UIL to the Texas Education Agency, and they're trying to kick him out of the playoffs again. Uh, future state senator Royce West is their their legal representation in this whole thing. He basically gets all that ruled in their favor, at least enough for them to get through the playoffs. Um, so they've got all that in their background. Uh, they get through the playoffs, and we'll get to how it's portrayed in the movie versus reality and all that. They get through the playoffs. And then subsequent to their football season, this was a school that essentially was a middle-class area where it was commonly joked about that the students had nicer cars than the teachers did in that day and age. But there were six football players from the team who really, they didn't come from families that were, let's just say, desperate for money. We'll just put it that way. And we don't, I guess the motivation was maybe uh, just the thrill and the juice they got from it, kind of like betting a huge parlay on northern Colorado. <laughs> but there were six players that committed a series of armed robberies in the area. Mm. All of them subsequently being sent to prison for anywhere from like 12 to 35 years. Wow. 
which wiped out uh there was at least a few of those guys that I know one was committed to Tennessee, but a few of those guys that had D1 offers that would never see a football field again because they would unfortunately be incarcerated until Hold on, so that's not where the movie The Longest Yard came from? <laughs> I don't I don't think so. Okay. So back to the movie. Let's get to Carter Carter and Permian, which is portrayed in the movie as being the state championship game. Yeah, which, spoiler alert, it was the state semifinal game. Right. But they're headed to state. In the movie, we're calling it the championship game. The uh, announcer, uh, we're, we're back to the uh, Slam and Sammy. He refers to, to Dallas as East Texas, which I don't know if I agree with that. I think Tyler might have something to say about that. Eh, I think if you draw a line down the middle of Texas, it's on the east side. Consider it North Texas. Um the opening kickoff happens, and the kick is received by Permian 40 yards deep in the end zone. He's, he's actually behind the goalpost. And he decides, we're bringing this, we're bringing this out because we're housing this thing. Need some he, uh, juice. Yeah, he has Look some at juice. Me, juice. I need some juice from you guys. Yeah. He gets tackled on the one, and the, uh, the, sub, the uh, s- uh, next play ends up in a safety. Hmm. Uh, Carter, we find out, does not kick extra points. They do not punt. They go for two when they score. They uh, quickly amount a uh, a mass an eighteen nothing lead. Hold on, real quick. Uh, so after watching this movie, because I was, we'll get to that later. But I googled Permian, you know, Dallas Carter, nineteen eighty eight, trying to find because I wanted to see. I wanted to find the full game and I wanted to skip around and watch some of it. I cannot find it anywhere on the interweb. I found one old news clip that was 50 seconds long that had highlights and one of the highlights was Carter punting. (laughs) Like I saw three plays in this clip and one of them was Carter punting. (laughs) That's unbelievable. How do they get away with this stuff? The uh, Gaines coaching up to this point in the game has been limited to him going down the sideline and then telling various players to wake up. Yes. Well, did you see how intim- Is that all it takes? How intimidated they were looking across the field at their opponents like well, my- those armed guys that are committed felonies and <laughs> are in their mid 30s. My note is this the soundtrack before this game is phenomenal. Like I'm ready to play. But how many stereotypes can we play into with the Carter roster? They're just taunting and intimidating. And my other note is, has anyone from Permian ever seen a black person before? Like, they're just looking across like, what the hell? Well, I think it was the fact that everyone on that team, like, looked like they started on the defensive line of an NFL team. And and another thing that we me watching this other movie, um, from from Friday Night Lights, it's always bothered me because I was like, okay, they're trying to create a certain persona for the Dallas Carter team and their players and even their coach, like he's very confident and he always has one of those suckers in his mouth, yes. like you yes. get at the dentist so after annoying. you're done. So annoying. It's bothered me since 2004. This is such a dumb idea. Why did they come up with this idea? I watched this other movie, Carter High, which was produced like the players that really played there had a huge voice in this. 
Guess what the coach had an addiction to? Those freaking suckers. He has one in his mouth like almost the entire movie. Wow. So the team they they have in the movie, the team never punts. They can't get that right, but they have the fact that the coach uses a lollipop correct. <laughs> this is amazing. Late in the first half, Permian, gra- Permian grabs a TD. Uh, Winchell uh, runs it in, gets his head ripped off. The helmet laying on the ground. Then a player kicks his helmet back into his face. You know, to Dave's point, you know, he bl- he does a blade job at that point. <laughs> Crimson mask is out. JR is on the PA suddenly. Yeah. He killed him. He done killed him. <laughs> God is my witness. <laughs> um, we head to the locker room. So, so Preacher, apparently, uh, Ivory Preacher, he... Uh, he only speaks in state title games. We didn't know that. <laughs> Gives sense. an impassioned speech. And then we have the uh I mean I'm I mean Glenn's ready to run through a wall. We have the 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 most famous part of the movie. So Gaines gives a, a two to three minute speech in movie time. He basically hits all the high points of the clear eyes. It's just not nearly as succinct. Because he's got love in his heart, his his heart's full. He, you know, his eyes are clear. Like he gets all the high points. He just he just does it in a real circuitous way. Well, and he says, "Look over at Booby Miles, and he would die to be out on that field right now." And then he also uses the line, which, getting to my personal story, um, I basically appropriated a good part of this speech back when I used to coach fifth and sixth grade basketball. <laughs> And the whole, uh, you know, where he says, you know, look at your teammate, put them in your heart type of thing. When you go out there, that's who you're out there playing for. So uh, it was the last year that I coached in that, and me and me and the wife coached a team. And it was the very last game. We were actually, the last year, we were undefeated through the whole year. And we go through halftime to the last game, and we're losing. And... Got to get the guys going, man. They're a little flat. And kind of give them the speech of, uh, this is the last game. This is the last time. And, you know, you're going to play on a lot of teams, whether it's, you know, middle school, if you play in high school. But you're never going to play with this team ever again. This group of guys will never be together again. So you need to look around at your teammates. And basically that's who you're playing for, blah, blah, blah. And so, like, they're all ready to go and – they're headed back to the gym, and the wife is like, golly, where did you get that from? And, of course, at the time, I was like, hey, man, you just speak from the heart. And then, and then later on, I was like, I stole that entire thing from a movie. <laughs> did like, it work? Oh, yeah, we won. We absolutely blew him out in the second half, undefeated, what, and I never coached What about again. with the wife? Did it work with <laughs> <No>. <laughs> It was going to until I told her the truth, and she was like, oh, God. <laughs> she was completely out again. I thought you were going to go with the, uh, you know, fifth and sixth graders, like, this is probably <laughs> going to be the best thing you ever accomplished in your life. <laughs> or, or, you know, you guys are you're going to have to get out of here and leave, <laughs> leave your parents at some point. <laughs> they come out pretty fired up for the second half. The hits are ridiculous. I mean, there's, I mean, it, like, it makes Rocky look tame. I mean, it's it's unbelievably bad. 
Like every one of them's concussion protocol. There's a there's a big third down for Carter, uh, and they skip a pass in, and we get a horrible call. Mm. Mm. I mean, y- it wasn't even a trap. I mean, it was it was like a ping pong serve. I mean, they bounced it off the other side and in. Ref- trash head yeah. referee won't yeah. make the call though. Yeah, I mean, and he was an assistant coach under uh, Coach Taylor, and he still wouldn't do it. Um, late in the uh, late in the fourth, we. we we get a Carter turnover and we run a trick play. So Billingsley uh, actually throws the ball to Winchell, uh, who's out for the for the pass. Um, oh, look at this! The next page, the first thing I wrote is, "What's up with the lollipop?" We've already <laughs> answered that question. Yeah, that's good. So um, they they uh, they get. They get the game within six. I believe it's... Oh, so it's, that's um, a touchdown there, right? You correct. Kinda... And I believe it's 28-30. to 30. It's 38-24 Carter. Yeah, so, so they had a touchdown. Maybe Coach Gaines was just playing Billingsley in the wrong spot. Like, he doesn't want the ball. <laughs> like, don't have him yeah. run it. Have him throw it. <laughs> yeah, have him get rid of it. They... Um, Carter actually gets the ball back. They don't, they don't go outside. And... This is where the I think the clock continuity in the game gets a little weird because somehow Carter runs like 16 plays with four minutes left and <laughs> uh, Permian doesn't use any of their timeouts, but still there's time on the clock. So there's a big fourth. Well, there, there's a third down and short that they don't get. And now they're like fourth in, in an inch. I mean, they, they bring the chains out there. I mean, the guy had the index card out and everything. I mean, it was, it was like well, Dallas Cowboys Romo all over again. And of course... He's going for it. He's got a lollipop in his yeah, mouth. He's not punning. The thing that I love is when he, he calls the play, he doesn't call anything out. He just does this signal right here. Yeah. <laughs> the real. Which mainly, I think that essentially means you're just running pretty much the same thing you just ran. Yeah. But they're going for it. So you would assume on fourth and inches, they're just going to do a QB dive. You know, it's going to be something very high percentage they know they're going to get. Uh, Gaines decides now's the time to call the most complicated uh, defense he <laughs> this, can. So he's calling the Texas stunt. This would never work. Yeah, so it's four. <laughs> it's fourth and an inch, and he's going to have his, his linemen pulling and trying to trying to jump into different gaps. Yeah, I mean, there's four people <laughs> trying to jump into the A gap. Yeah, this it, it, is unbelievable. Well, even more unbelievable. Uh, instead of running a QB dive, Carter decides to take the snap under center, have the quarterback run back 10 yards to find the running back to then hand it to him to try to advance it up the middle. I mean, this is like the worst play call I've ever seen. <laughs> he gets stuffed because, you know, even though we're plugging up the A-gap, we somehow also have six guys in the backfield on this play. It, the well, whole thing was ridiculous. Maybe Coach Gaines, you know, it's, it's a game of chess, and he's like, in this situation – they're going to run the slowest developing run play ever, so this will work. <laughs> what well, did? It did. So now we have the drive. Uh, every play Permian runs on this drive, Winchell gets nailed after he oh throws the ball. I mean, he, I, like, there's no way he's getting up after the second one, but he does. I mean, this guy's got miles of heart. I think all, every rib's broken. Um, it's, at some point... Uh, Billingsley gets hurt like they have to pop his shoulder back into place in the sideline to get him back because they don't have a running back I mean everybody's hurt yeah they're on like the 10 when they pop his shoulder back in because he's gonna run it 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, don't they run it on like a fourth down? Yeah, it's fourth down. It's like fourth um, and eight, and they're yeah, they're talking yeah. about you know the well, let's get in the shotgun and four wide or whatever, and and Gaines, run it with the guy who can't hold on to the ball. Gaines kind of so looks I, across at the lollipop, and he's like, "I'm gonna run it right down his throat." So, I if I can take the wheel here real quick. Oh, sign please. the screen. All Thanks. right, so I've like I said. Never seen this movie. Don't really know the story. But I have seen many sports movies. So they put in Billingsley. They pop his shoulder back in. It's very dramatic. There's like 10 seconds on the clock. They're fourth and eight from the 10. He runs it up the middle. Which confuses the 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 Carter team because... As their sideline is loudly proclaiming, they have no running backs over there, so there's no way they can run it here. Yet, when they're changing (laughs) personnel, they put their running back in. So he runs up the middle. He's now, like, fighting through four tacklers, and I'm sitting there just, get on the ground, man. Just just get on. There's no time. Like, you're not going to make it. And he's short, and there's a flag. Or does he get in? I don't oh, remember. He get in. He's short, and he's short, but they're close, and there's a flag. Right, and there would and have like, been. I think it's saying there would have been time for one more play. One more play, and, and they're like a foot short of the goal line. But exactly, we see the flag. So they back him up. Now we're gonna run uh, Winchell for the final play, and I want to tell you, like, what a run! What a run! But I was watching this like the end of Sixth Sense shocked. Like, what? Because what? I knew in my head that they won this game. Like, the whole movie's about Parmian, this epic comeback. You, you know, every uh, fan reaction that the WWE plays of like just someone like completely in awe was so me. You looked, you look like the guy after Lesnar beat The Undertaker <laughs> yes. at WrestleMania. <laughs> I was that guy. I, I was I, that guy too because I had forgotten. I thought they were going to win. I thought the whole point of the movie was that they won the state title. So then I'm waiting. I'm like, well, does something else happen? Do they like call everybody off the field and there, you know, there's an untimed down or something that's going to happen? So, here? It was so bad that when they're you're watching it and he's, you know, they're trying to push him across the line and they kind of he goes down and they're digging through the pile and you can kind of get a glimpse. I'm like. Man, they messed this up. He's short, but they're going to say he was in. <laughs> and then they're like, he's short. Carter wins. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, and then and then really, I mean, that's kind of the end of the movie. I mean, they go back. I mean, there's, you know, a little scene at the end where, you know, Winchell kind of throws the ball to some kids, and it kind of gives you the, you know, well, they do feeling the, that life's going to go on and there's going to be another generation of Permian, but I mean... Yeah, they, they do the gains taking the players' names off of his board and yeah. putting the new He's names Get ready for next season. Just but, run it back. I mean, the last scene in the last game, I guess, is, you know, the highest of drama when in reality they played a game outdoors which was primarily played in the rain. 
I think the final score was fourteen to nine, <laughs> and Permian's only touchdown came off of a blocked punt. They basically a blocked punt. <laughs> they 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 blocked a punt and returned it. For that was a touchdown. the highlight. Yeah. yeah, that was the highlight. And I they, saw. they basically didn't do anything. But but neither did Carter. As good as they were, they were able to manufacture fourteen points. But it was it was played. I think they played at uh, in in Austin at, at UT. But it, but it was raining the majority of the game, so kind of limited the uh, offensive explosion factor. I will say the end of that movie, though, was the most depressing thing because then it goes through, like, you know, all true story movies do is it's like, you know, Mitchell or Winchell went on to do this and Billingsley, and none of them did anything. The one, Chavez went to Harvard and became a lawyer, so good for him. I think he did okay. He did fine. But you you get the movie, they don't have their big triumphant moment in high school. They lose. And then you're like, okay, well maybe like they learned so much and they go on to do something. It's like, no, they all have like spare jobs. <laughs> They're all living in Odessa doing nothing. But. None of them played football. They did the same the same team. Well, the returning team won the state championship the next year. And what does that do for Booby? Uh, not much. Maybe he was there. He was probably working the concession stand. I don't know. But Chris Comer, previous to his death, he won a state championship. That team did have. Um, actually, what's funny is that the backup to Winchell. Who was a junior in '88 actually went on to play Division One and then had a pretty. It was brief, but he had an NFL career with the Cardinals. And they had a wide receiver who's briefly mentioned in the movie in one of the montages, uh, named Lloyd Hill, that went on to. I don't know if he played in the pros, but he was really good in college. So they had some other talent on that team that was successful. Just not the main characters in the book and or movie. <laughs> so what do you, what's our overall review? So overall, better than I remember. Enjoyable. And, um, you know, I probably won't watch it again for another 20 years, but uh, if I was going to rank them, I would say TV show still comes out on top. You think so? Absolutely. <sighs> You got a lot more material to pull from, too. Boy, do we! Yeah, that's that's true. But the thing is, there's a lot of there's a lot of lows in that TV show. There's plenty of high points, but building the field is ridiculous. <laughs> the dumb students that the wife is counseling, epic. Should have killed her off immediately. I don't know. I love the movie though. I'm gonna go watch the end of it after we get done doing this. Nice. Dave, Dave, thoughts? I mean, I liked it. I don't have the TV show to compare it to. Um, but, yeah, it was it was an all right sports movie. It's not, it's not on the podium, in my opinion. That's but. a good review from Dave, who basically is like, eh, Die Hard, I don't, I don't really think we even need to push play on this. No, I, I enjoyed Die Hard, I just thought Die Hard 2 was better. <laughs> okay. Hold Fair on, enough. I'm... Uh, sorry, boy, this is not a very trustworthy source. 
Uh-oh. Chris Comer may have been a suicide. Oh, oh God. Indeed. Well. Okay. Hold oh. on. I'm, I'm trying to confirm. This is live footage of oh, yes, with Chris Comer in his heart. I, I found the only I found the only link I could find that says how did Chris Comer die, and that's what it said. But it wasn't like a it looked like some spare blog. So yeah, we're not confirming that here in episode one sixty two. So my no, apologies will, to the Comer not. family. All, All right, right, guys. Well. Um, we will be back next week because we have a bet to settle. It may be much more clear where um, where we stand depending on the uh, the outcome of the second game next week. And a full Royal Rumble preview. That's right. Oh, yes. We go oh, we one, won't one be to there. 30. Uh, that's okay because we're going to be somewhere else in April. Maybe we can talk about that a little more next week. With love in our hearts. 